Well, one more time, welcome. We are glad that you are here. A special welcome to our online community that's jumping in right now. Uh, we are thankful for all that God is doing, both here in person and for those of you who are connecting with us online. Uh, we are excited for all that God has in store for us today. We are in the middle of a series right now called Open House, where we are looking at the biblical concept of hospitality and what it means to be a people who are welcoming, what it means to be a people who are, are inviting. And as we think about that this morning, I just want to ask the question, can, can you remember someone in your life who showed you surprising hospitality? Awesome. <laughs> I hope all of you can say that. All of you have somebody that is in your life that you could say, man, I can think of somebody who really impacted me through their hospitality. I know, I know for me, it was a gentleman named Jack. When, when I was growing up, I was kind of uh, a crazy kid. I was one of those rebellious guys running around with blue hair and a trench coat and combat boots. And I, 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 I looked like trouble probably because I was doing a lot of trouble. Um, but I ended up stumbling into this church, and there was a gentleman named Jack who just, he loved me. And he complimented how well my blue hair matched my trench coat. And he, he, I mean, he just, he treated me like I was a human being. And he was someone who just poured into me. I mean, it, it was so evident that he had a preference for me and that he loved me that one time his daughter said that she hated me because she thought that her dad liked me more than her dad liked her. Now, I think... Uh, I think we both know that wasn't true, but I mean, it was just at that point, I realized how much he did love me and how much he did just open himself and open his family. I'm still best friends with his son to this day. And so, I mean, he was someone who deeply impacted me with the concept of hospitality. And I'll, I'll just have to admit, when he opened his door to me, it was a sacrifice. I didn't look like any of the other youth in that church. I didn't act like any of the other youth in that church. And yet, he was willingly opening his home to me. He was actually, he was at our wedding, and he um, was there to see uh, that union come together. He was a big part of my life for a long time. He did tragically pass away in a car accident uh, shortly after we were married. But um, like I said, I still stay connected with his family, and, and they're still a deep part of who I am. And so, for me, he lived out the verse that we've been holding up over this series where we've been looking at Romans 12, 13, which tells us that when God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to show hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. That, that's, that is what we are asked to do by the Apostle Paul. And so, today... We're going to talk about what kind of gives us the strength to be people of hospi hospitality, what, it, what we need. And so the first week we talked about being at home with God, that God was one who showed us what hospitality really is. And then we talked about the need to be at home with strangers, that we're not just supposed to hang out with people who look like us or act like us or vote like us. We're supposed to hang out with people who are a little bit different than us. And today, I want to talk about being at home with sacrifice. 
I love it when God connects things together and we, we talk about how you know, God's orchestrating things. I, I put this series together. We're not really thinking about where the different Sundays were going to lie. I think it's very fitting that on Memorial Day weekend, we're talking about being at home with sacrifice. The fact that we have people who gave so that we could be free, who sacrificed their lives so that we wouldn't have to sacrifice our own. And, and so today, I want us to learn a little bit more what it means to be at home with sacrifice because I believe that on the cross, Jesus showed us the cost of, of hospitality to humanity. That it was through his sacrifice that we have the freedoms we have. And it's as we choose to sacrifice for his name that we have the ability to move that hospitality forward. And so today I want to read a passage that we usually read closer to Easter, but I think it helps us to see the hospitality of Jesus Christ as he was going through one of the most difficult seasons in his life. A season that was devastating to say the least, but a season that brought about hospitality in, in a most miraculous way. And so I'd invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 23, and we are going to read verses uh, 32 through 43 to begin. Again, Luke 23, verses 32 through 43, and I will be reading today out of the New Living Translation. And this is the story of Jesus going to the cross and the cost of our hospitality, the cost of sacrifice. And we're going to pick it up here in verse 32 as they're leading him to the cross. It says, two, other, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. The criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God? even when you have been sentenced to death? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing, has not, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. We thank you for the truth 
of your sacrifice. God, I pray that today as we look again at what you have done for us, that we would understand that this is not just a story that we should be grateful for. It's a story that we are to practice. It's a story that we are to choose to take up our cross and follow you. So God, I pray that today as we go through this scripture, as we take time to look into your word, that it would transform us. That we would not be the same people walking out of this room, stepping out of this service that came in. So God, we, we ask that your presence, your spirit would be here, that you administer to every heart, and that we'd be so thankful for it as we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave to a couple people, let them know you're excited, that you're happy to be worshiping with them this morning, and then you may find your seat. So, as we look at this passage this morning, I want us to see a few different things that Jesus did. Again, this was a dark hour, right? When we look at our faith, this was a time of just great pain, where Jesus, the only righteous person to ever live, died for us. But yet, in the middle of all that drama, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the scourging, in the middle of the crucifixion, Jesus still showed hospitality. Jesus still showed that he cared about the people that were around him, even in the midst of his own suffering. And so, I want you to see three things as we look at this passage this morning that we should try to follow the example of Jesus through. Now, I don't think any of us are ever going to be physically crucified, but all of us go through difficult times. All of us go through times that are very hard. And I hope that you see this morning that even when you're going through hard times, you can be someone who brings hope and healing to other people. That that's one of the highest callings that we can live to, is that we give hope, we give hospitality, even when we don't feel like we can do it ourselves. And so the first thing that we see Jesus did, and that we can do as well, is that we can give to the hurting. Jesus was going through his own trials, and he decided to show mercy even while he was being ridiculed, even while he was being mocked, even while he was being executed. We, we read in verse 32, it says, there were two others who were, who were crucified with him, both criminals, and they were all let out to be crucified. At the end of the passage, we read how one of the criminals realized that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was going to come with a kingdom. And he realized that even though he was dying on that cross, Jesus still was going to bring a kingdom after his death. And so he called out to Jesus while they were both dying. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in in an unbelievable act of hospitality, Jesus replied, I assure you, 
today you will be with me in paradise. He, he reached out to the hurting. This man was a criminal. He admitted with his own mouth he deserved to die. Yet Jesus offered him forgiveness right there. And he let him know that his confession of Jesus as Lord would assure him a place in heaven. I don't know what you do when you're in pain, but it's not typical to say, I'm going to extend hospitality. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He extended hospitality to hurting people even when he himself was going through something difficult. Uh, there, there's this British man who, he loves the idea of hospitality. I think a lot of it has to do with the way that his family was given hospitality when, when they immigrated there from India. And, and he has a whole industry, a uh, nonprofit in the country of England trying to help people give homes to, to foster children. And, and so he's, he's got a lot to say about hospitality. In, in his TED Talk, he shared an instant how some of our favorite stories are stories about hospitality, of how people who are disenfranchised can, can still find a home. And he talks about his favorite story of how there, there was this story that he came across as he started studying about hospitality and started talking about foster homes, about this, this these family, these, this brother and a sister who had to be removed from their home because of domestic violence. And they ended up being separated. And, and one was sent to a very affluent family. The other one was kind of sent to the back sticks, like some backwater town with this kind of hick kind of family. And so they grew up in very different places. Because of her family, the daughter ended up becoming very interested in the plight of other people and was basically gave her life to social activism and trying to help people to become better and, and trying to actually fighting against the oppression of the government that she saw. Her brother, meanwhile, in that back country, he, he just kind of grew up until one day he, he felt like he was supposed to do something special. And so he started applying himself and he actually went into the military and he did amazing exploits in the military. So much so that he not only saved his country, he saved his world, he saved his galaxy. Of course, I'm talking about Luke and Leia. Who a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away were shown hospitality. And because of who they were shown hospitality by, they changed the world. Now, obviously, we, we, we love that story because we see how powerful hospitality It's under there. You don't see it, but we recognize the power of it. That's why it, it's so powerful to us. And he goes on to say in an article he did about hospitality and the cross. Uh, his name is uh, Krish Kandai, by the way. And he said this, Sometimes that seems so small and insignificant such as a relatively unknown Jewish man dying an unremarkable death at the hands of the Roman Empire is in fact an invitation to a much larger reality. It offers fresh faith to the doubter, new hope for the despondent, belonging for the lonely, 
salvation for the lost. The cross is not just a commemoration of death, but an invitation to life. At the heart of the atonement is divine hospitality, where God invites the undeserving and unexpected to come home with him. i got to read that last sentence one more time. At the heart of the atonement is divine hospitality, where God invites the undeserving and the unexpected to come home to him. If you don't feel the weight of that statement, you've been saved too long. All of us are the hurting. All of us are the broken. All of us were undeserving. And yet God, in divine hospitality, sent his son to us. Interesting thing is, Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just help people who are hurting. He doesn't just give to the hurting. He also gives to the hurtful. When we look at the story of the cross, it isn't just a story about good people dancing around in a fairy garden, right? This is an evil act. This is one of the most horrific things ever to be done in all of humanity. And yet in the middle of it, God is there through his son Jesus, extending mercy and grace, not just to the people who are hurting, but also to the hurtful. In verse 36, we read, the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. Now, in this story, there's all sorts of different things going on. You've got these religious people who are standing around Jesus, scoffing at him, saying, if you're really the king of the Jews, come off the cross. If you're really that powerful, come off the cross. And and then you've got the other criminal saying, yeah, while you're at it, save us too. And then you have these soldiers who are stealing Jesus' clothes and then throwing dice to see who gets to keep them. And then there's this one act right there in the middle that seems so weird. At least for me, I looked at it like, here are these hardened soldiers, and it looks like they're just terrible people, and then they offer Jesus this drink. And it almost looks like they're being hospitable at the moment. It says, they offered him a drink of sour wine. In one instance, you hear Jesus say that I'm thirsty. And it says one of them reaches down with a sponge, dips it in sour wine, and reaches it up to him so he can have a drink. And it almost looks like they're showing hospitality to Jesus on the cross. But they weren't. If you were to study Roman legionnaires back in that day and the types of things that they carried on them at all times, one of the things that they carried with themselves was a sponge and sour wine. They found out that when you use public toilets, that infection grows in those places. And so they were given the sponge and the sour wine, they would get the sponge wet, and then they would use that sponge to wipe their rear. So when we read this, it's not that they were 
trying to be nice to Jesus. It was one more act of shame. It was basically like taking used toilet paper and pushing it in his mouth when he said, I'm thirsty. It was the ultimate humiliation. And yet, Jesus says this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He didn't just show mercy and compassion. He didn't just show hospitality to the people who were treating him well. He looked down on these soldiers. He looked down on the scoffers. He looked down on the people who were killing him. And he said, forgive them. Listen, I don't know what's been done to you. I don't know the hurt that you have had to walk through in your life. What I do know is that I've walked through my share. And the easiest thing to do in that moment is get bitter and to get upset and to try to get people back and to try to do things against the other people because of what they've done to you. To try to make things right by humiliating them or hurting them or causing shame to them because that's what they did to me. But Jesus shows us a better way. That even when people hurt us, we choose to say, God, forgive. Even when people treat us terribly, we can still choose to serve them. Now, I recognize sometimes hurtful people you need to have some distance from, and you don't, you don't engage people who've hurt you in the past just to be a nice, good Christian person. Sometimes you've got to give people some space. But it doesn't exclude us from then finding some way to show hospitality to the hurting and to the hurtful. Which is the last thing that I want to point out this morning. That not only did Jesus give to the hurting, not only did Jesus give to the hurtful, he also gave while he was hurting. So I want to challenge you to give when you hurt. Sometimes when we hurt, we feel like that is a, that's a pass. That we get to say, okay, I'm done. Like, I've been hurt. I'm not going to help anybody anymore. I've been hurt. I'm not going to extend myself. And while there may be some time where you need to get some healing, there may be some time where you need to maybe get some counseling and, and help people help you walk through this hurt. In the midst of that, you can still be giving. Jesus still gave. Jesus was still hospitable even while on the cross, even while being executed, even while being ridiculed and mocked. And I'm here to tell you this morning, some of the most powerful acts of hospitality will be accomplished while you're hurting yourself. What you will do is you will show the world that you are better, that you are stronger than the pain you or yourself are walking through. That when you give, even when you hurt, you have an ability to show that there is something greater working in you. It had such an impact on the people around him that even those who were mocking him began to realize that Jesus really had something. That, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, 
the people who scoff at you, the people who make fun of you, the people who hurt you, when they see you giving, even when it costs you something, when they see you being hospitable, even when you're going through difficult times, they're going to pay attention. If we keep reading the story, we read this starting in verse 44. It says, By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly a curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Then, remember, the Romans were the ones who were mocking him. The Romans were the ones who were shaming him. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. I'm here to tell you that when you choose to serve, even when you yourself are hurting, other people will see it. Other people will worship. And so I, I want to encourage you, as we go through this week, that we find ways to serve people, that we find ways to show hospitality, and that we do it with the clear recognition of who Jesus is, of what he's done, of how he has shown us his grace. I mean, obviously we can't fully do everything Christ has done because his example is above what we can accomplish. We are not God. We cannot die for other people. We cannot save people from their sins. We cannot bring healing and restoration, but we can carry it with us where we go. I, I love what this one author had to say about it, Ashley Hales. She said, Jesus always meets us with himself. In a mystery we cannot fully comprehend, he is both offerer and offering. Jesus is the offering. He is the meal. He is the bread and body broken and given. That when we look at what we do through communion, when we look at what we do in remembering Christ and his sacrifice, we're doing it because he is both offering us forgiveness and he has become the offering for us. His death secures our salvation. That's what's so powerful about this. And so many times when we if you've ever been in a communion service, there's a line you will hear often because it comes from the book of Corinthians in an instruction on how we're to facilitate communion. It tells us that as often as we eat this bread and as often as we drink this cup, we're remembering Christ's death until he returns. And, and we... We localize it to the bread we have in our hands and the cup that we are holding. But what if there might be something a little deeper in those words? What if that while we do this in remembrance of him, while we take a piece of bread and we drink a little bit from a cup to remember his death, what if also Implicit in this is that when we allow ourselves to be broken, 
when we allow ourselves to be poured out, we are remembering Christ's death until he returns. What if when we choose to show hospitality, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it costs us something, even when we're hurting, even when the person across the table is hurting, even if the person across the table is hurtful, we are remembering Christ's death until he returns. I really want to encourage you, as we have been praying and thinking about hospitality for the last three weeks, you would think every time you extend hospitality, you invite somebody to your home, if you're kind to someone at the store, if you are loving and, and give a great tip to your server, that you're doing that to remember what Christ has done for you. And that those acts will hopefully draw other people to see the truth of God manifest in your life. And so, it's with that that we, we celebrate these elements. It's with that that we, we turn to God. And so, I want to encourage you this week, meditate on what Christ has done for you. Meditate on God's hospitality toward you. The sacrifice that was given. Think about the fact that God sent His own Son to die for you. And that because of His sacrifice, you can have freedom. You can have forgiveness for your sins. You can have healing in your brokenness. And then take some time this week and consider how God wants to use you to show hospitality, how God wants to show hospitality through you. One thing I'd encourage you to do this week is take some time with your family. You know, sit down with your spouse, with your family, with your housemates, and discuss biblical hospitality. And then consider whom you could be ministering to, what ways that you could practice the gift of hospitality. I mean, we've got Memorial Day tomorrow. Maybe you've already got plans, but if you don't, maybe make some plans with somebody and hang out with somebody, have a barbecue with them. Or if you're already having one, invite some people that you wouldn't normally invite. They'll be at the bottoms. There you go. But find ways to connect with other people and create it as a habit. Don't just do it this week. Find ways to connect with other people throughout the week, throughout your life. It's this act of hospitality that helps us. And then, just as a way to keep it fresh in your mind, memorize Romans 12, 13. That when God's people are in need, we are ready to help. That we are always eager to practice hospitality. That in remembering that, it gives us an ability to open the door for more people to come in. And so if you want reminders on that, if you haven't done so already, make sure you text the word RIVER to 715-953-4060. You'll get an email here in just a little bit that will give you just some practical reminders on how to live that out. How to, how to be someone who actually takes this seriously and lives it out. And then I always want to encourage you, a very practical way to do that is just by serving. If you don't know how to serve or if you're not sure what your gifts are, we want to help you with that. And that's one of the things that we'll do. If you fill out that form, we will get you connected and we will teach you what you can be doing 
and find your unique gift sets so that you can serve in a way that you see other people affected. And so we are going to take communion here in just a moment. We, we practice open communion here at this church. That means you don't have to be a member of our church to participate in communion. The only thing that we ask is that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're online with us or if you're here in this room and you don't know Christ, I want to give you a moment right now where you can accept Him, where you can turn your life over to Him. And then we will all partake of communion together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. If you're someone you need to receive Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now in this moment. So I, I just invite everyone to go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads. Even if you're at home, if you're driving in your car during this message, please keep your eyes open, keep your head up. But for the rest of us, let's just take a moment of reverence for what God might be doing in this season. But if that's you, if you're recognizing you need Christ, you need to accept the forgiveness that he offers. You see that his death on the cross was for you. You want to be forgiven. You want to be healed. You want to be made whole. I invite you to say a simple prayer. When I pray, you can pray this prayer out loud or you can say it in the quietness of your heart. You can use my words or you can use your own words, but I just encourage you, reach out to Jesus right now. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus right now, just reach out and pray this prayer along with me. Say something like, say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that God rose you from the dead. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused to you. The hurt that I've caused to others that I've caused to myself. And God, I pray that I would receive your forgiveness right now. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the strength to live for Jesus every day of my life. I'm turning away from my old life. And I'm running after you. God, I thank you for new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, come talk with me after service. It says you need to believe that in your heart and then you need to confess it and let someone else know that this is what's going on, and, and we want to give you the tools you need to live for Jesus. But if you prayed that prayer today or any other day, you are welcome to participate in communion with us. And so I'm going to ask Mark to come up and lead us.
in the act of communion. And he is on his way down right now, but let me just let you know, God's faithful. God knows you're here. God knows right where you're at. God knows that you're watching us online or that you're joining in later. And he wants that sacrifice to be real to you. So Mark, lead us in communion. Um, just want to invite everyone, if you're online, make sure you have your cup, some bread. Uh, two words come to mind when I think of communion, sacrifice and forgiveness. Uh, the sacrifice of, of, of Jesus and his body being broken for us. The excruciating pain that he went through on the cross. The Romans didn't have a word for the pain that someone would go through on the cross, and they made a new word, excruciating, which literally means out of the cross. And that is the pain that Jesus went through. That is what we are remembering when we eat the bread. And the forgiveness is the blood that he shed for us. He died, he rose again. And when he rose again, he showed that he had authority over death. He has authority over our sins. He has authority to forgive no matter what we've done, no matter where we've come from. And that is what we are doing when we remember what Jesus did. We're remembering the sacrifice and the forgiveness. With that, you partake in the bread. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for remembering the sacrifice that you've done, the excruciating pain that you went through on that cross throughout, throughout that whole night leading up to the cross and then dying on the cross for us. We, we remember the sacrifice that you've done and we remember the forgiveness that you've given to us. And Lord, as we go into another song of worship, as we worship you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole body, with our whole soul, Lord, I pray that it would be a pleasing sacrifice to you, that it would be a pleasing offering to you, and that you would just transform our lives. And we thank you. And in Jesus' name, all God's children said, Amen.